What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Adult Rec League Podcast. I'm your co-host, D. Jones. And I'm Rick. What's up, guys? How we doing? Oh, man, Rick, just another just another preview for another UFC fight. I tell you, though, man, this it's crazy that this card is a fight night because this is, I mean, this card is bigger than a lot of UFC pay-per-views. I mean, this coming pay- next, what is it, next weekend, we got UFC 253. Uh, Adesanya yeah. and Costa and Blahovich and Reyes. Yeah. But I feel like this card is bigger than that card. Yeah. I mean, outside of the two title fights, you know, the co-main event and the main event next weekend, I mean, everything else just kind of, not to say that there's not good fighters on the card, but there's not very many well-known names. Yeah. I mean, this, this coming Saturday, former UFC welterweight champion Tyron Woodley takes on uh, the number one contender, Colby Covington. Donald Cerrone takes on Nico Price in the welterweight co-main event. Um, undefeated. Kamzat Chemaev looking yep. to continue his crazy 2020. I mean, what he had, what, three fights two. in 14 days? It was two fights in 10 days, and he outstruck, he outstruck his opponent something like 125 to 2. Yeah, I mean, just completely dominating performances. And then uh, Johnny Walker, one of the top contenders in the light heavyweight division, takes on Ryan Spann. Up-and-coming women's strawweight contender Mackenzie Dern takes on Randa Marcos, long-time UFC competitor. And um, this is a six-fight main card. Kevin Holland and Darren Stewart in the middleweight division. That'll be a, that'll be a really good fight. So, oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, we'll just run down some of these some of these fights and uh, give our predictions and hopefully we do better than the last time we did this because last time it was USC 252 Cormier and Miocic and we went 0 for 5 in the main card so hopefully we can do a little bit better this time around so we'll kind of give I'll kind of give a rundown of the prelim fights and then we'll kind of dive into some analysis of the main the main card fights and give some predictions um, first fight in the card is Bantamweight Tyson Nam and Jerome Rivera. Uh, we got featherweight Derek My- uh, Minner versus TJ Laramie. Uh, bantamweight Andre Ewell versus Erwin Rivera. We've got Journey Newson. Are you texting? No, I, I I don't know what that is. It's like it's like a it's like a staticky type noise. I thought you were texting. I was like, what the hell? No, I'm not texting. <laughs> um, we've got uh, Andre Ewell and Erwin. Erwin. Rivera, Bantamweight Journey Newson and Randy Costa, uh, Women's Bantamweight Jessica Rose Clark and Sarah Alper, Flyweight is Jordan Espinoza against David Dorvat, Dor- Dvorak, um, Women Flyweight is Myra Bueno Silva against Mara Romero Barella, and then to close out the prelims, we got Mursad Bektik against Luis Eduardo Garagori. All right, so then we'll jump over here to our main card. Uh, first fight on the main card is a middleweight, Kevin Holland against Darren Stewart. Yeah, uh, big time middleweight fight. Uh, both guys, both guys are in. Uh, you know, they're pretty. They're, they're on some uh, win streaks. Uh, Kevin Holland actually usually fights at welterweight, but this this time he middleweight, and he's actually a very long welterweight the guy has yeah. Kevin, Kevin Holland is six foot two and has an 81 inch reach advantage 
I mean, 81 yeah, he's inch seven-inch advantage in this fight. Yeah, he's going to have a seven-inch reach advantage. Um, Darren Stewart last fought on August the 8th. So, he, I mean, he's he's turning right around and fighting again. He's on a he's on a uh, three-fight win streak, and he's actually won five of his last six wins. His last loss was actually to Edmund Shabazian, who was undefeated until this year. So Darren Stewart, I mean, really is uh, looking to continue his stellar run in the middleweight division, but going up against a really tough guy in Kevin Holland, who yeah, Holland's Holland's looking for his third his third win this year. Yeah, third win this year, and just fought last month on August eighth. Yeah, uh, they actually both of those guys actually fought on the same card, the Lewis Derek Lewis Alexio Lennox card where me and you actually did a live broadcast of and uh, okay. uh it's gonna be this is gonna be a really interesting fight because kevin holland like we said eight inch reach a uh, seven inch reach advantage uh, i mean for a for a welterweight to have an 81 inch reach advantage that's that's insane yeah that's that's that is ridiculous i mean moving up to middleweight 81 inch reach seven inch reach advantage He's got a two-inch height advantage, Darren Stewart, um, two years older than him. This is a really tough fight. I mean, both guys are, are looking to continue their win streaks. Darren Stewart, like I said, five out of six wins. Kevin Holland, he's won two in a row. This is a really tough fight to call. Yeah, it should be a good fight. I mean, it, obviously, if Holland can use that reach, he should be able to stand on the outside and and pick Darren Stewart apart. But we've seen it happen so many times in MMA where, you know, that reach isn't utilized in a fight like it should be. And then, you know, somebody gets knocked out. Yeah. um, I mean, Darren Stewart, he's a black belt in Taekwondo. He's got his purple belt in uh, jujitsu. But Kevin Holland has a black belt in jujitsu. And he's actually – his – head coach is Travis Luter who longtime UFC fighter uh, he's Kevin Holland also has a, is a second degree black belt in Kung Fu I think if I had to put money on this I think I'm going to take Kevin Holland to win by decision I think his striking and his reach will get the job done against Darren Stewart but this is going to be a very close and very competitive fight yeah, I agree. I can't wait for it. That's a hell of a way to kick off a, an, a great card. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, on to the next fight. We got Mackenzie Dern going up against Ronda Marcos. Ronda Marcos, you know, um, her record doesn't really speak to how good of a fighter she is. She's 10 and 9 with one yep. with one uh, draw. Um, but that doesn't – that doesn't um, – quite explain how good of a fighter she is she's a very tough woman she's been in a lot of competitive fights but Mackenzie she submitted fought some tough fighters I mean last year she you know she went two and one she lost um beat and actually beat Angela Hill who just headlined a fight card this past weekend um her loss last year was to Claudia Gadella so I mean there's a top level fighter there's really no shame in that and, um, I mean, if you look down her record, I mean, she's been fighting for a long time. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like I said, she's she's fought some very notable fighters in the strawweight and uh, flyweight divisions. She beat Carla Esparza, the first ever uh, women's strawweight champion. Um, she she went to a decision with Alexa Grasso, who just got a decision, who just got another win under her belt. She's fought Carolina Kovalkovich. So, I mean, she's fought, a, she's fought Jessica Panay. So, I mean, yep. she's fought a lot of top-level females in the strawweight and flyweight divisions. So, just because she's 10 and 9 doesn't mean that she's, you know, like some, you know, pushover. She's definitely not. Oh, yeah. Definitely not. Um, and, of course, you know, her opponent, Mackenzie Dern. Dern is, um, you know, obviously everybody knows her jujitsu credentials. This chick is sick on the ground. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I think if I had to make a, a, a prediction, I'd probably have to go with Mackenzie Dern. I think she's – I think she's probably the stronger of the two. Yeah. She's obviously better on the ground and that's where that's where she thrives. I mean, this girl's only 27 years old. She's 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 younger than you. She's 2 months older than I am. She was the she was once ranked the number 1 Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu female competitor in the world. Yeah. And she's, I mean, that's, and that's she's ridiculous. currently ranked 6th. Was, yeah, even though she's not a full-time competitor, exactly. she's been doing MMA. She won. She won a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu World Championship with where you didn't wear gis. It, it's called a no gi Brazilian yep. Jiu-Jitsu World Championship. She won one of those. And like I said, this girl's only twenty-seven years old. She's got a lot left to give in the sport of uh, mixed martial arts, and she's only going to get better. I yeah, I mean, and she's just really picking up the MMA part of this within the last few years. So, you know. You give it time. She's got a crazy base with that ground game. You give it some time, and she's going to be she's going to be a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to give. I think I'm going to have to give the nod to Dern here. She's younger. She's. Uh, I think she's stronger of the two. She's obviously. I think she's more well rounded. Marcos is a good striker, but I think Mackenzie Dern will, will probably end up getting it to the ground and submitting her because I think I I think it's pretty clear that. Mackenzie Dern in the strawweight division. I'm not sure if there's anybody in that division that wants to go to the ground with her. No. So I think she ends up getting it to the ground. And I think she ends up submitting her. Yeah, I, I think I agree. I think she's going to dive for a submission and try to pull something off. Um, next fight, Johnny Walker and Ryan Spann. And let's, I mean, you talk about, you know, you talk about momentum is everything. Everybody knows that in all sports, momentum is, is a lot of things. Um, and these two guys are like the exact opposites right now. You know, obviously Johnny Walker came in and had tons of fight. Um, Absolutely. Was finishing off opponents left and right. Next thing you know, runs into Corey Anderson. We are all know what happened there. He got clipped. Uh, his last fight out, which was in March. He took a decision loss to Nikita Krylov. Ryan Spann, on the other end, has won three fights in the UFC, uh, dating back to May of last year. I mean, he beat beat Little Nog, beat Devin Clark, uh, and in May he beat Sam Alvey. 
Yeah. So we're talking about two two fighters that are on a collision course here, but their their kind of careers have kind of headed in different directions as of late. Yeah, it, it, you're exactly right, Rick. Because I mean, going into that Corey Anderson fight, a lot of people thought that if Johnny Walker won that, that fight, he was probably in line for a title shot against John Jones. Or, oh yeah. I mean, at least maybe fighting Dominic Reyes or Jan Blahovis for a shot at John Jones. But yeah, Corey Anderson stopped that real quick. And, you know, like you said, Johnny Walker, after that TKO loss to Corey Anderson, loses his next fight in a decision. So yeah. Johnny Walker looking to rebound against Ryan Spann, who's on a three-fight win streak. It's going to be tough for Johnny Walker. He's got a, he's got a three-inch reach advantage on Ryan Spann. He's got a one-inch height advantage. I think Johnny Walker um, – I think he might have the striking advantage in this fight, but he should, he should, but we've seen, he, he should have had the striking advantage in his last two fights. Yeah, exactly. Especially against lost. Corey, especially against Corey Anderson, who's, who's more of a wrestler. Yeah. And, think, and you know, um, Johnny Walker got clipped. So honestly, Rick, I think, um, I'm not sure. Cause I watched that Johnny Walker and Kreelov fight and he, Johnny Walker was one of those guys, you know, um, he was playing it kind of safe in that Kreloff fight, and that's why he lost that fight by decision. He wasn't trying yeah. to, you know, like in his previous fights, he was doing all this crazy, all these crazy striking techniques and getting these getting these unbelievable finishes. And, you know, he gets clipped against Corey Anderson, and what happens? He starts fighting conservative now because he understands, because yeah. now he's, and we see that happen to a lot of guys. We see that happen to a lot of people. I mean, you know, they get KO'd one time or they get beat up really good. And now and now all of a sudden they stop fighting aggressively. They start fighting conservatively. So, um, I don't know. I think Ryan Spann has the momentum going into this fight. And I'm actually – I'm not sure what the lines are for this fight. But – Yeah, I don't know either. I think I'm going to have to go with Ryan Spann in this one. I think Ryan Spann gets the decision against Johnny Walker. I really do. And I think, I think Johnny Walker is going to bounce back in this fight. Um, I think he's going to get back in the win column in this one. I think he's going to use some of that movement and striking that he was showing so much promise with before he got clipped. Um, and I think that he's going to, he's going to squeeze out a decision. It's going to be a great fight, that's for sure. Um, actually, this is actually on the main card. This is the closest fight on the main card. Johnny Walker, a slight minus 120 favorite over Ryan Spann, who's a plus, okay. one, who's a plus 100 underdog. This is the closest fight on the main card. And um, like I said, I'm going to take Ryan Spann just because of the momentum. And Johnny Walk, I think Johnny Walker might might still be a little conservative after two straight losses. I think he's going to fight really. I think Johnny Walker might fight safe to try to squeak out a decision win. Yeah, but you know, we'll see what happens. Um, I think Ryan Spann and Johnny Walker will probably be the closest fight of the entire night. But I think so too. And then we're going to um, our next fight on the card. Um, Obviously, a guy with tons of momentum and tons of hype right now. Kamzat Shemayov uh, is fighting Gerald Mishert. And, um, you know, actually, this past week, 
Gerald said, um, you know, win or lose, he's going to hurt. He's going to hurt comes up. Um, he said he's not going to he's not going to just roll through me and and come out of the fight unscathed and able to take another fight in seven days. Well, so. Rick, that's the that's the crazy thing, man. This dude, Gerald, uh, you know, Gerald Mearshart, he was on Ariel Hawani's podcast and Ariel Hawani asked him, he was like, man, how do you feel that this guy, they booked him against a, in, a, in a fight against you? but they already have his next fight booked. I mean, has that ever happened before? I mean, have they ever no. have they ever booked a guy for two fights? Before? There's been there's been like tongue in cheek, hey, if this guy gets by this guy, he's going to fight for the title or somebody next, but nobody it's never happened where somebody came out and said, "Hey, we're going to book this fight right now." Yeah, because they've already got him booked against Gerald Mirshar obviously for this weekend. But then yeah. they already have him booked against Damian Maya. Yeah. I mean, you know, legendary, just crazy. legendary Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner, one of the best grapplers in the history of the sport. But they already have Kamzat's next fight. Like he's like, like he's already going to, like he's just going to blow through Gerald Mearshart. I mean, you know. And, and, and Dana White tried to spin it. He's saying win or lose, Kamzat's going to fight Damian Maya after. But that I don't understand that though because Damian Maya is ranked higher than Gerald Mearshart is, yeah. And, and I mean, and you know, you can spin it how you want to, but I loved what Gerald Mearshart said on uh, Ariel Hawani's show. He was like, "Man, that's just disrespectful." I mean, that's completely, yeah. I mean, that's completely he's... disrespectful to Jared Mearshart. Gerald Mearshart. God, that's easy for me to say. <laughs> Gerald yeah, he's Mearshart. taking. I mean, he's going to take this seriously. You know, obviously. Comes out such a dominant grappler and wrestler. Uh, he's going to have some youth on on Gerald as well. I mean, Comes out's twenty six years old. Gerald Mearsh- Gerald Mearshart, uh, thirty two years old. He's been fighting in the UFC since two thousand and sixteen, so he does have that experience that Comes out's going to be missing. I mean, and if you look, you know, Gerald Mearshart's been in there with some pretty good guys. I mean, he fought Tiago Santos when Santos was fighting at middleweight. Yeah, I mean, fought Jerk uh, Jack Hermanson. You know, obviously he. I mean, he lost both of those fights, but he's still in there with some with some tough guys. Yeah, I mean, he he, he lost to Kevin Holland, who's fighting tomorrow night. I mean, uh, Saturday yeah. night. Yeah, uh, he's he's fought Eric Anders. He just he just lost to Ian Heinish. I mean, he's Mearshark's fought some really good guys since he's been in the UFC. But and I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm gonna pick Kamzat Chimaev to to beat Gerald Mearshart. Me too. I'm going to pick him to win, but yeah. I will say, I mean, I'm not going to act like I'm not going to be rooting for Mearshart here because, I mean, I would like to see him get this upset win. Cause yeah, I mean, Mearshart, you know, obviously he needs to try to keep the fight off the ground. He's got a 77 and a half inch reach. So he's got a two and a half inch reach advantage on, on Kamzat. Um, you know, and as great as it would be for Gerald to kind of turn this into a hell of a brawl, uh, me personally, I think Tom Zat's going to going to dominate him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, Rick, let's just you you alluded to it earlier when we talked about this before we actually started breaking down all the fights. His first fight in the UFC was July fifteenth of this year. He beat he submitted John Phillips in the second round. Total strikes. Kamzat landed 124 strikes. John Phillips landed two. Yes. Significant strikes. Kamzat landed 43. 
John Phillips landed one. Yeah. Two for two on his takedowns. Of course, John Phillips didn't have a single takedown. And then in his next fight, 10 days later, July 25th of 2020, he beats Reese McKee in the first round by TKO. Three minutes, three minutes into the first round. 68 total strikes for Kamzat, 40 significant strikes, one takedown and a submission attempt. Reese yep. McKee's zero strikes. Literally yep. no strike landed. Did not land a single strike. Unbelievable. It's like Kamzat was just in there with like a like a dummy. Yeah. Like a 170-pound dummy. Yeah. I mean, this dude literally did not land a single strike. That's how dominant this guy has been. Yeah, and I, that's why that's why he's getting this kind of treatment. And I mean, don't get me wrong, I get it. I mean, you know, like this guy, he's calling out, he's calling out Nate Diaz, he's calling out Connor, he's calling out uh, Jorge Masvidal, saying he'll smash all of them. <laughs> I mean, which you know, looks like at, at that point, it's kind of like pump the brakes a little bit there, buddy. But I mean, you know, he's got some swagger behind him, and. But this this right here is definitely his toughest test to date, no question. Gerald Mearshart, thirty-one wins, thirteen losses. This is this is uh, his forty-fifth fight, professional yep. fight. So, but with all of that being said, I'm still picking Kamzat Chimaev to to beat Gerald Mearshart, no question. Yeah, I am as well. And let's let's move to our welterweight co-main event. Um, we got Donald Cerrone back in the octagon. He's going to fight Nico Price. Um, man, you know, just looking through, just looking through Cerrone's list of fights. I mean, I don't think that there's, I don't think there's a fighter in the UFC or maybe in MMA history that has the line of top contenders that Donald Cerrone has fought over his career. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, coming to, coming to the UFC from WEC, the guys, I mean, He's fought Charles Oliveira. He's fought Dennis Seaver. He's fought Nate Diaz, Melvin Gillard, Jeremy Stevens. I mean, Evan Dunham, Rafael Dos Anjos, KJ Nunes, Anthony Pettis a couple of times. I mean, there's nobody that this guy has fought that you don't know who they are. I mean, these guys, you know, everybody who's ever been ranked in the top 10 of this lightweight division seemingly has fought Donald Cerrone. Yeah, I mean – I mean, you got to think, dude, from 2013 to 2015, the guy was on a, an, an eight-fight win streak. I mean, yeah. he his his win streak started at UFC 167. He submitted Evan Dunham, didn't lose a single fight. He fought four times in 2014, didn't lose a fight, and that includes beating Edson Barbosa, beating Jim Miller, uh, getting a decision win against former lightweight champion Eddie Alvarez, beating Ben Henderson, beating Miles Jury, but then of course he loses in the la- in the December to December of 2015 to Rafael Dos Anjos in a lightweight title fight. Yeah, I mean, if you even look at, I mean, look at the names. I mean, we're just talking about lightweight there. Look at the names of guys he's fought at welterweight. I mean, he fought Matt Brown at welterweight, beat him. Uh, fought Rick Story at welterweight, beat him. KO'd fought Matt Brown Patrick. stiff. Oh, yeah. Fought Patrick Cote at welterweight, beat him. Fought Alex Oliveira at welterweight, beat him. 
I mean, he fought Darren Till at welterweight. He took, he lost, but fought Darren Till, fought Robbie Lawler at welterweight. I mean, he he lost the Jorge, fought Jorge Masvidal at welterweight. He fought Leon Edwards. Yeah, fought Leon Edwards, fought Mike Perry. So I mean, we're talking about top contenders across two divisions. But in a, you know, this is the and you know, Nico Price, thirty years old. I mean, he's had some good fights. He's got like a really unique style. He's tough as shit. Um, Cerrone, though, it's it's going to be a, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because I believe this is the first time Cerrone has lost. Um, what has he lost? Three fights in a row? Four fights in a row? Yeah, he's lost four fights in a row dating back to uh, last year when he lost to Tony Ferguson after he got after he uh, got his nose broken and he unfortunately he blew his nose, which you're not supposed to do, and his eye immediately shut. And he yeah, and I don't think and he couldn't continue, and he was getting destroyed by Tony Ferguson, anyways. But I mean, he's lost to Tony Ferguson, he's lost to Justin Gaethje, Conor McGregor, and he lost 2017, 2017 that run at welterweight where he fought. Jorge Masvidal, Robbie Lawler, and Darren Till is the only time in his career he's lost three straight fights. Yeah, well, this now he's lost four straight. He's lost to Anthony yeah. Pettis, Connor, Ferguson, and Gaethje. Now, granted, all of those guys, former champions, former interim champions. I mean, you know, it's not saying it's – I'm not saying that it's bad that he's lost to guys like that, but, I mean, four in a row. Maybe. At 37 years of age. 37 years of age, maybe possibly five in a row here. Yeah. I mean, you know. It's definitely going to be tough. I mean, Nico Price, like I said, is a tough fighter. You know, if you look at Nico Price's, you know, his his record in the UFC, he's won some fights, he's lost some fights. I mean, obviously, Nico Price is coming off of a loss to Vincente Luque. Um, and, you know, he's been kind of up and down. Went two and one in 2019. Um, you know, went two and one in 2018. So it's, I don't know, it's kind of one of those things. He's kind of some of his performances have kind of been up and down. Yeah, I mean, ever since he won two fights in a row in 2018 against George Sullivan and Randy Brown, and ever since then he hasn't been able to get a win streak going. He's won no. one, he's lost one. He's won one, he's lost one. So, And this is the toughest guy he's ever fought. No question. No question. This is the toughest guy that he's fought so far. I mean, I don't even think that – I don't even know if Nico Price has fought anybody that's really been ranked. Well, I, I'm pretty sure Vicente Lique is now ranked. I think, yeah. I think he's the number 10 welterweight now because, I mean, he just beat Randy. Uh, by by knockout back in August. Yes. So Vicente Lique is ranked, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I think Jeff Neal is also ranked, which Nico Price lost to. But I think I'm going to have to go with experience on this one. I think I'm going to pick Donald Cerrone to beat Nico Price. You think it's a t- uh, close fight? I think it, I think it's a, I think it's a close fight. Just to let you know, uh, as of September 1st, at least, Jeff Neal is number 12 in the UFC welterweight rankings. Okay, Vicente Lique is 10th. So, I mean, Nico Price has fought some guys. Yeah, like, but the- he's, I mean, like you just said, Vicente, Vicente Luque is 10th. Nico Price has lost to him twice, though. 
Yeah, lost to him twice. So it's kind of tough to say. I mean, Nico Nico Price is going to have a uh, a reach advantage in this. I mean, if you look at Nico Price when he's in the cage, it's kind of like he's got like a small, like a short torso, and his arms are like really long. 76 yeah, inch reach. It's really weird. Like Nico Price is built very weird. Like you said, he's got a he's got a short body, but his arms like it's it's like his arms almost touch his knees. Yeah, it's, I mean they just about do. It's really weird, but you know it's crazy, Rick. Nico Price is actually the favorite, the slight favorite in this fight. He's a minus one fifty five favorite. Donald Cerrone, yeah. Donald Cerrone is a plus one thirty five underdog. But honestly, I, I'm gonna have to take the underdog in this one. I'm gonna take Donald Cerrone. I think Donald. Yeah, Cerrone's, I think so too. I think Donald Cerrone's experience. I think his striking. Uh, his, the the array of strikes that Cerrone is going to throw leg kicks, body kicks, elbows, punches. Cerrone is probably going to throw everything at him. Yeah, like like we said, Nico Price is going to be the bigger of the two, but I think Donald Cerrone is done here. Um, I, I, I I'm not. It's it's kind of hard to explain because even though I think even if Donald Cerrone lost ten in a row, I still think yeah. I still think he'd fight in the UFC. You know, yeah, there's some guys, Cerrone's never going anywhere. No, no, because there's some guys that you know they lose three in a row, and Dana White's like, yeah, we got to cut this guy. I mean, three in a row, three losses in a row. Yeah, Donald Cerrone could lose ten in a row, and he'd still be in the UFC. Yeah, it's never. He's never getting cut. Yeah, um, but I'm going to go with Donald Cerrone to win uh, with the win against Nico Price. I think it's going to be a very close fight, but I'm going to uh, slightly go with Donald Cerrone. Yeah, I think I think he finds a way to TKO him in like the second or third round. Yeah. But let's move on. Uh, let's move on to our main event. Um, obviously, this is a huge grudge match. Colby Covington, Tyron Woodley, they used to train in the same gym together. Um, Woodley was one of the many victims of Covington's trash talk over the last couple of years. Obviously, Woodley is a longtime welterweight champion, so Covington was obviously trying to position himself into getting a title shot um, for most of that. But now Woodley is not the champion. Um, this is actually kind of a weird matchup for me because you think you think with Covington coming off of a loss to Usman and Masvidal coming off of a loss to Usman, that's the fight to make, not somebody who's on a losing streak. So, I'm not sure. Uh, it's just really hard to... It's really hard to talk about this fight without talking about Tyron Woodley's last two fights. I mean, if anybody watched his last two fights, they're both decision losses. One of them, of course, was to the... He lost his championship to Kamara Usman in a decision loss. And then he just lost back in May to Gilbert Burns, who's now the number one contender for the welterweight championship. That's not like, and it's not just losses. No, they were, that's what I'm. They were dominating losses. That's what I'm getting, and you know, that's what I'm getting to. If you watch Tyron Woodley's last two fights, it looks like he doesn't even want to be in there. He's gun shy. 
He's gun shy, and he immediately like he'll go to the center of the cage. He'll get punched one time, and he'll immediately back up to the fence. Yeah, and that that right there plays directly into Usman's hands, and it plays right into Gilbert Burns' hands. Yep, I, I don't understand. I don't, and it could, and it could, be, and it could could play right into Covington's hand. It would, I think it does because Colby Covington is one of those guys. He has incredible cardio for a welterweight. He has incredible grappling. He, he he's a, and he's a volume puncher. Tyron Woodley is a power puncher. Yeah, Colby Covington is a volume puncher. I mean, and what's what's going to be interesting here too, and this this is really why this is you know even a main event to even talk about because Woodley, even though with the last couple of fights that we've watched Woodley, Woodley has been super gun shy, but Woodley does have that one punch explode knockout power. Yeah, and we have seen Covington throw those volume strikes and kind of leave himself open for a return punch before. I agree. Yeah, it's, you know, so there's always that chance that Woodley explodes with a big right hand and puts one on Covington's chin. Exactly, now, granted, Covington is tough, is tough as hell. I mean, he could take some punishment. Yeah, that's for sure. If you talk all that junk, you better be tough. And that's another thing that I wanted to bring up. You know, what happens? Uh, what? How much does the fact that Tyron Woodley really cannot stand and does not want to lose to Colby Covington plays into how Tyron Woodley fights? I mean, do we see Woodley come out and try to bum rush Covington because he hates him so bad? And people are going to, I know, you know, if me and you are sitting here talking about how gun shy Woodley's been, you know that he's probably heard that or read that someplace. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, you got to think, Rick, let's say he does lose this fight. We were talking about Donald Cerrone losing 10 and never being cut from the UFC. I mean, if Tyron Woodley, who is... 38 years old now loses yeah. his third fight and let's say he let's say let's just hypothetically say that it's just like the last two fights he's just getting dominated up against the fence he cuz cuz in his last two fights they've gone five rounds he has not won one round he no. has he, he he's lost 10 straight rounds of fighting no question yeah what if that happens again? What if he what if he just gets completely dominated by Colby Covington, loses his third fight? I mean, him and Dana White have had their problems in the past. Yeah. I mean, is they this, definitely have. Is this possibly the last time we in the UFC? I mean, it could be. It could be. Um Yeah. <laughs> Man, I it, it, it's tough to, it's tough to think about. I mean, is there a is there a scenario where we could see Woodley go up to 185 pounds like we've seen so many other guys try to get that resurgence? I mean, I mean maybe. I don't see a situation where Woodley's fighting. You know, I mean Woodley's essentially if he loses this fight, he's going to essentially be in gatekeeper status. Yeah, I mean maybe because I mean he's gonna if he moves up to 185, he's going to have the same problem that Kelvin Gastelum has. He's 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 small. He's really small. I mean, he's five. I mean, I know, I know, I know. He's built like a tank. I get that, but he's five foot eight. He's only yeah. got a seventy-four inch reach. I mean, Conor McGregor, he's five what, like five? I think Conor's like five eight too, but or I think Conor's like five nine. 
But, I mean, Connor started off at, what, 145 pounds, and he has the same reach advantage as Tyron Woodley? Yeah. So, I mean, I just don't know if Tyron Woodley's going to move would, would move up to middleweight because he's 38 years old. He'd be coming off of three straight losses. And you know Tyron Woodley's not one of those guys that's going to go up to middleweight and fight some bum. He's going to he's gonna want to fight a, a middleweight contender to try. Because I feel like if Tyron Woodley – but that, and that's the crazy thing about this fight too is if Tyron Woodley wins this fight, I mean, is he next in line? Does he fight Masvidal? I mean, Man. I mean, I'm just saying. I know he's lost two in a row and he's been dominated the last two fights, but he's getting ready to fight the number one contender in the in the welterweight division. Who, who, in my opinion, was probably winning the not maybe not winning, but it was two to two going into the fifth round against Usman before Usman TKO'd him in that fifth yeah. round. I mean, if Woodley beats Covington here and he's even though he's one and two in his last three fights does he get a title shot next after Burns and Usman Uh, even though those are the two guys that just beat him I don't it's just such a weird fight because you're right because Woodley if Woodley comes out if Woodley comes out knocks Covington out in the first round I mean Woodley's right back in it yeah I mean I mean I guess maybe Maybe you could do Woodley and Leon Edwards because that was originally supposed to be the fight back in March. Yeah. You know, before Gilbert Burns, uh, you know, because apparently, apparently, you know, Leon Edwards just hasn't been able to get a, I'm sorry, back in May, but Leon Edwards apparently just hasn't been able to get a fight at all. Yeah. He was supposed to fight Tyron Woodley back in May, but of course Gilbert Burns stepped in and completely destroyed him. There was some like work. There was some like visa issues where, you know, somebody couldn't leave. I don't think Leon could leave, and now I think Leon can leave. He just doesn't have a fight. And see, so. that's the crazy thing, man. Is people, uh, you know, and uh, Ariel Hawani talks about this all the time. Leon Edwards is probably one of the most overlooked guys in the entire UFC. Yeah, the dude's on like an eight-fight win streak. Yeah, and, and can't even get a fight. No, but it's just weird, man. Because I feel like if Colby Covington wins this fight, I think he, I think you have to give him a title shot. But if Tyron wins, and he and he like knocks Colby out in the first round, like you said, I mean, what what do you do with Tyron Woodley? Do you put him in there with Masvidal? Do you put but him- this this the, see this is where it depends though. Okay, so let's play this scenario out. Covington Covington beats Woodley, comes out. Uh, you know, five rounds dominates him. All right. Now, now let's say Gilbert Burns beats Kamaru Usman. Do you do an Usman rematch with, with Gilbert Burns first and have Covington fight somebody else? Because, I mean, obviously, if Usman wins and Covington wins, they're going to try to put that fight together again because there was a lot of bad blood and it was a great fight. Yeah, absolutely. But if Burns, but if Burns were to beat Usman, then that changes everything. Yeah, I mean, if Burns beats Usman and Covington beats Woodley, I, I, I guess it would depend on how Burns beat Usman. Like, yeah. like if Burns came out and just completely dominated him in the first round and beat Usman, 
I think you do Burns and, and Covington. Okay. But if 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 it's like a really close fight between Burns and Usman, I think you obviously do that fight again. I just it's just gonna be it that welterweight division is so stacked and it's so convoluted. I mean and I think we're forgetting too, don't don't forget that uh Nick Diaz said that he was gonna be watching the welterweight fights in the in the coming months. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he apparently he did a, te- a a test cut and he was down to like 165. Yeah. I mean, he looked great too. Now granted the yeah. dude granted the dude's been out of the UFC for like what, 6 years, 7 years, something like that. So, you know, Rick, I know we're talking about UFC real quick, but I do want to let everybody know that right now the Nuggets are beating the Clippers by 15 points in the fourth quarter. Really, I was watching the I was watching the game before we got on this this podcast. There's eight there's eight and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter, and the Nuggets are beating the Clippers by 15 points. The Nuggets could come wow. down could come back from three to one against the team that everybody thought was going to win the championship this year with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. The Nuggets are up 15 with eight and a half to go in the fourth quarter of Game Seven of the of the Western Conference semifinals. So That's wild. I mean, I know this is a USC podcast, and uh, like you know, I know. I mean, we talk about everything, but I know we're talking about UFC right now. But I just had to bring that up that the Nuggets, Clippers, right now by 15 in Game Seven. But um, that's crazy. Back to what we're talking about. It's just that that welterweight division is so stacked and just so um, clustered. It's insane. I mean, you got Covington, Woodley, Masvidal, Edwards. Uh, Burns, obviously Usman is the champion. You got the Diaz, you got Nate Diaz, Anthony Pettis, Donald Cerrone, Conor McGregor. If he ever fights again, um, I mean, you could you could literally make you could make an entire UFC pay per view with just title eliminator fights. I mean, L- Neil Magny. Yeah, Neil Magny's won what five in a row? Yes, six in a row. He just dominated Robbie Lawler. I mean, I mean, it's insane. It's insane how stacked this welterweight division is. It really it's super is super exciting think, too. I think this yeah. I think I think this top to bottom is the best division in the sport. Not to mention at any point in time you could insert a, a Nick Diaz, a Nate Diaz, or a Conor McGregor. Absolutely. For a fight in this division. So that's crazy. And you know what? Real quick before we get back back before this main event, I hope Conor McGregor can get his shit together because he said he, him and his reps claim that he was falsely accused i mean um, and you know i i get that and hopefully that's the case yeah. but it's just it it, it it seems like other than the donald cerrone uh win it just seems like for the last few years it just seems like it's just been bad news for connor yeah i mean outside of his whiskey selling super well outside of know, his whiskey and his, the only times uh, we ever and his sports agency, ever, yeah. The only times we ever hear about him now are he's sending out tweets or he's getting in trouble. Yeah. So, you know, I I, I know he's a good. Uh, apparently, he's a great. I'm a great father. I don't know. The, I don't, obviously, I don't know the guy, but yeah, he seems like he's a good father. He seems like he's a good guy to his to his girl to his wife. But hopefully, he can get his stuff together and as as our buddy 
Conrad Thompson says, pull the nose up and, yeah. you know, get his get his life back together. I mean, even if he is falsely accused, which hopefully that's the case, hopefully hopefully it's just some, some person trying to get some clout. But, yeah. you know, hopefully Connor can get his shit together and hopefully we can see him back in the octagon soon. I know he's technically retired, but I, I don't believe that for a Yeah, second. bullshit. He, he got tested on his yacht the other day from USADA. How crazy is that? USADA does not send people to test you if you're out of the testing pool, which is, I mean, literally the only thing that separates you from being retired and not retired in these days. Exactly. So, uh, like, if you're still in the USADA testing pool, you are not you are not retired. So he's not retired, he, he, but hopefully he can get his shit together and be back in the UFC where he belongs. And you know, who knows? Maybe. Maybe if Usman wins this fight, honestly, if, if Usman beats Burns, I'm calling out Connor. I'm calling him out. Yeah, I mean, I would too. Usman, it, 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 Us, I know Usman took a lot of took a lot of flack for his performance against Jorge Masvidal. Yeah, he dominated him for five rounds, but most of the strikes that he landed were foot stops. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, if I'm Usman, I, I gotta, I gotta call out Connor and or call out Nick Diaz or somebody and like be like, "Yo, I'm the baddest motherfucker on this planet." So y'all can come get some or something. But yeah. let's get to the predictions, man. Who you got in this main event? Dude, I I'm, think I, I I got I got Covington. I'm taking Covington. I'm taking Colby. I think that he um, toughs it out and kind of survives some of those big shots that Woodley's going to throw in the first round. And then I think he just keeps the pressure on. Well, and on that's Woodley. what I'm saying, dude. Because if if Colby fights like if he grapples with Woodley in the first round, it, it's it's already over. The only way if the only way Woodley wins this fight, in my opinion, is if he knocks him out in the first round. That's the only yeah. way he wins. I mean, just all you have to do to to know about Col- if you've never watched Colby Covington fight, all you have to do is watch his fight against Robbie Lawler back in August of 2019. This guy yeah. he weighs 170 pounds. He probably walks into the cage probably at around 185, 190. He probably walks around at about 195, 200 pounds. This guy threw 541 strikes against Robbie Lawler and attempted 18 takedowns and got 10 of them. Unbelievable. So that just shows you the cardio this guy has. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's ridiculous. and And that's the thing, Rick. I watched that fight because obviously this was. If Colby won that fight, he was absolutely getting a title shot, no question, because he was already the interim yeah. champion. Yeah. But I watched that fight. It was in New Jersey. The Trump family was actually there for the fight. It was it was kind of crazy. But, um, you know, that's beside the point. But I watched this fight, and Covington never stopped. He never – he didn't even look tired. Never. Never looked tired at all. And, I mean, the dude's throwing 541 strikes. He landed more strikes. He landed more significant strikes than Robbie Lawler threw. 
I mean, he landed 179 out of 515 significant strikes. And it was, um, you know, and the, the thing is, too, is you like, especially in that first round where they were both still fresh, you know, before he kind of tired Walder out and then started throwing a lot of strikes at him. Um, you know, I mean, it was just it, Covington just came out and made that fight ugly. Yeah. From, from the jump. I mean, he came out and threw some real crazy looking takedowns, was just kind of throwing, throwing wild punches at him just to keep that pressure on him. I mean, he almost had him in like a neck crank choke position a couple times. So, I mean, that's definitely something. And we just watched, we just watched Woodley get out grappled by Usman, you know, last year. And Burns. Yeah. And Burns. I mean, it's, so it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, man. I, I, I think I'm taking Covington by decision. Same. Um, you know, and I, I, all I, all I could say though is I cannot wait for this fight card. This is going to be fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. This is, this is, this is one of the biggest fight cards of the entire year, and it's not even a pay per view. You can get this uh, fight on ESPN Plus, I believe. I believe it's on ES. I believe yep. it's on ESPN Plus. So it is. I mean, it's from the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, so it's a smaller cage. So that gives Colby Covington yep. more opportunities to grapple him up against the fence. Yep. So, uh, and, and, and it starts at 8 o'clock, so it's not like you got to stay up till – it's not like you got to be up at all hours of the night to uh, watch <laughs> 8 o'clock on ESPN Plus from the UFC Apex. Two welterweight fights are the, are the uh, headliner and the co-headliner. We got Kamzat Shamayev, the dominant middleweight, looking to continue his dominance in 2020 against Gerald Mearshart, Johnny Walker, and Ryan Spann in a very close, closely con- contested light heavyweight fight. Mackenzie Dern looking to continue her streak against uh, Ronda Marcos in the strawweight. And we're getting started with a great fight in the middleweight division as Kevin Holland actually moves up from welterweight to take on Darren Stewart, who are both on win streaks, looking to continue their streaks uh, this coming Saturday. But, man, what a great fight card we have. Yeah, it's going to be awesome, and I can't wait. Well, Daniel, I think that's all I got. You got that's it else? for me, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate the time. Guys, we'll see you next time on the next episode of Adult Rec League Podcast. I'm your co-host. Rick. I'm your co-host, D. Jones. Thanks, guys, for listening. Have a great night. Peace.